chance last week. I'm going to uh, to you in one week. So next week uh, we are going to do you, but we'll do it in one week rather than two weeks. So please read uh, all you uh, uh, for next week. Uh, I mean, how can we have faith? Uh, Jesus died 2,000 years ago. So how can we have faith? We cannot depend on others' faith. We cannot depend on what other people say. Only document that we have is the gospel about what Jesus said. Then we ourselves have to look into the only document that is possible to us. The only way to get to know Jesus is through this document. There is no other way. Uh, now, the first generation all died. So we have to really closely examine uh, that. On Tuesday, uh, these are, you know, quite old people, 70, 80, uh, 70s, 80s, 60s, uh, some young people too, but oh my goodness, they're so eager to learn uh, what this book has to say. And for example, last week, Park Ji-jang, John Pak's father came to me. Total enlightenment to him. He said, I can see the whole picture <laughs> of the gospel. Uh, it's like seeing the forest. Uh, so far, he has seen only the woods and the uh, trees, and now he can see the whole uh, forest. And he was so excited uh, about that. So, I mean, that is the purpose of this Bible study to get the picture of who Jesus was to them. And now we have to ask ourselves, who is Jesus to us? That we have to ask. That's how we started. Gospel Mark. Every time Jesus did something, they were so amazed and they asked, what sort of man is this? Who is this? But Jesus continuously hid his identity somehow in Mark. He said not to tell anybody. When it comes to John, there's no such thing as not to tell anyone. But even Matthew and Luke has some, but Mark continuously, don't reveal my identity. And then in the end, ultimately, through the mouth of the centurion, seeing the death of Jesus, finally he confessed that he was son of God. We knew it from the beginning, but through the mouth of Gentile person, that he was son of God. But Mark doesn't explain how. Matthew does. 
So we'll look at it today. But Matthew does, but Mark doesn't uh, uh, say how. But Mark's point is miracle, teaching, exorcism, and all kinds of things, great. But ultimately, it is the serving God, the suffering servant. That was what God did. When you really, really look at that picture of Jesus, that is so radical. That is so radical. Suffering servant is God? Suffering servant is a Messiah? That is, that was not acceptable. Uh, but somehow he made that kind of bold claim that this suffering servant who died on the cross is our God, our Lord, our Messiah. And then you too, be a servant. That is such a anti-establishment, anti countercultural counter message. Even now, it's a very countercultural message that you have to be a servant to follow me. That is hard to understand, and people just understand in only in brain. They don't understand in the real life that is that that is important. And still, we don't get it. Like the disciples of the uh, of Mark, we don't get it. We just still sit, want to sit on Jesus' right hand and left hand, and we just still uh, are uh, thinking about who's greater. Am I greater than you? That kind of attitude. We continuously live with that philosophy. But Mark is saying, if you want to follow me, you have to be a servant. Son of man came not to be served, but to serve. So that kind of radical message. Uh, Mark first gave. Matthew, 90% of Mark, he rewrote. He used 90% of Mark. He used it again in his book, but somehow, totally different message. Somehow. I mean, we, we, we looked at it uh, two weeks ago. Totally different message. I mean, while using 90% of that book, how can you talk about something totally different? Depending on how you put the words in it, then the order and then whatever, somehow becomes a totally different message. And realize we have only 12 notes, all of us. Mozart had 12 notes. Beethoven had uh, 12 notes. Miles Davis had 12 notes. John Coltrane had uh, 12 notes. Uh, everybody, Bob Dylan had 12 notes. But with these 12 notes, these guys come up with a, such a beautiful music. So different from each other. So in the same way, 90% of Mark, he uses a totally different message 
Rather than, I mean, there is a message of suffering, suffering servant too. I'm not saying that that message is not there, but the emphasis is different. In Matthew, we see the emphasis that it was fulfillment, fulfillment, rather than suffering servant. Jesus was a fulfillment of what God started with Abraham. What God started with Abraham became realized at Jesus. That's what Matthew was saying. That's why uh, Matthew starts, uh, starts with son of Abraham. The Messiah is son of Abraham. So in Matthew's understanding, we are the Christians. We are the true Israelites. Not just those who have bloodline, but those who believe are the true Israelite. Because we are the descendants of Abraham. As Jesus was son of uh, Abraham, we are the descendants of Abraham. So we realize about our life. If you believe in Jesus, then we also believe that, not only to serve, but we also believe that our life will be fulfilled. Whatever God started with me will become realized in Jesus Christ. That's what we believe. So we, we, we go through suffering and hardship and difficulties, but ultimately God's plan in my life will be fulfilled. That's what we believe. That's what disciples uh, had to believe. God who began a good work will bring it to completion in His time, not in my time. In a mysterious way, in the way that we can never imagine that God will do that. So that is the first part that we saw last uh, two weeks ago about Matthew. So I want to go back to the uh, verse 1 again. An account of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. We, uh, we uh, reflect on son of Abraham. Today, I want to reflect on son of David. To Matthew, Jesus was son of David and that was important. So when you look at genealogy, from genealogy, you can see uh, that aspect. Let us look at it. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David to deportation to Babylon, 14 generations. And from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. He basically summarizes Israelite history with these four names for Abraham, David, Babylon, Messiah, Jesus. With these four uh, words, he just summarizes whole uh, Israelite history and in right in the center, David is there. David. And in this 14th generation, it is, it is a number for David. 
number for David. So D, V, D, when you, uh, the D is 4, V is 6, and D is 4. So when you add them up, that's a 14. So that's a name. I mean, that's a numerology of that time. We don't do that anymore. But for example, oh, I love so-and-so. But on the tree, you don't want anybody to know. So I love 873. But when you add up the, the name, then it becomes eight, uh, uh, 73 or whatever. So that's how they came up with the name uh, Nero. Nero was 666. When you uh, add up his uh, the name, that's 666, and then the revelation, we see that. So this 14th generation is very important, and then he even took out three kings to make 14 generation. Actually, there were 17, but he took out three names uh, and uh, made uh, 14 generations. So in genealogy, three kings are missing, but for him to fit 14 generations, he took out. Uh, three uh, names so that David becomes the focal point. So doesn't matter to his idea, doesn't matter how accurate I am or not, that's not what's important. Important is uh, David. The, in the whole genealogy, David uh, is important. David was a central figure. He was like an engine for Israel. They always lived with this fantasy about David, uh, uh, ideal king. The, the country was the most uh, flourished and the biggest, and then so glory time. Everybody felt good to have this king, David. So David was uh, the, uh, the, the most uh, important person. That's why uh, along the way, they believed that uh, if Messiah comes, Messiah will come from David's line. That's, uh, that was uh, uh, what they believed. There, there was messianic expectation. Israel wanted to have a king, like other countries. At first, Israel did not have a king. Who was a king? God, Yahweh, was their king. But they all wanted human king. Like other countries, Moabites and Ammonites, they all have kings. But we don't have king. We want king. So they want a king. And then God did not like that very much. But because they wanted it so much, God told Samuel to uh, install a king. So Samuel looked around and then found Saul. And he anointed him to be the king. But Saul he was most insecure man. You know, the insecure people are very difficult to live with. Insecure people are hardest people to uh, associate because insecurity does not uh, always come out in an inferior, inferiority kind of way. Sometimes it comes out in an aggressive way. Sometimes it comes out in a, 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 a manipulative way. Sometimes it comes out very strange. So it's really hard to work with uh, uh, insecure people because you don't know where they, how they will uh, come to you. Uh, so, but this uh, King Saul, he was so insecure. So even from the beginning, he was hiding behind uh, this uh, uh, thingy. And uh, they had to look for this king. And then ultimately he tried to kill uh, David. 
so much. And then God was very displeased. And Samuel was very displeased. And while Saul was a king, he went and found David and anointed him to be, to be the king. That's the truth. If Saul found out, then he would have been uh, killed. Any, uh, that, that, that's a treason. But he installed David anyway. And, but David, God loved him. God was, God was so pleased with him. He was very humble and yet very confident. He was humble but very confident. When David fought with Goliath, Goliath, this was what he said. You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He was humble and yet very confident. David was an ideal king. So Israel always dreamed about this David. So Jesus is not just the fulfillment of the promise. Jesus is the embodiment of their ideal king, of the new kingdom. So in Matthew, the word fulfillment is very important, but also second word that is very important is kingdom. One is fulfillment and the other is kingdom. Because without kingdom there's no king. Without king there's no kingdom. So kingdom. Uh, so Matthew 4.17 when you uh, look at it. From that time Jesus began to proclaim repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven in chapter 13. He's a very organized guy. Not just necessarily chronologically, but he put all the kingdom uh, saying in chapter 13. He uh, talks all the saying about disciples in chapter, chapter 10. He uh, talks about all the woes uh, to Pharisees and all uh, scribes in chapter 23. So he's sort of organized by chapters of these and uh, parables together. So uh, he does that. But uh, in chapter 13, he talks about kingdom continuously. Uh, let, I, I won't read the whole thing, but I'll just give you the taste uh, of that. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. Then in his holy in his joy he goes and sells all that he has he has and buys that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. So Jesus was not just the son of Abraham, but Jesus was the son of David and a king. You can see that right in the uh, birth story. When you look at in Matthew's idea, birth of Jesus 
it was birth of a king. Luke doesn't do that. I mean, uh, Mark doesn't even have, does not even have a birth story. Uh, Mark starts with uh, adult Jesus. But uh, Matthew starts with uh, a baby uh, Jesus, but uh, he, uh, his understanding of the birth of Jesus is birth of king. Let me read it for you. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, where is a child who has been born king of the Jews? For, so, they, they were basically looking for the king of the Jews. For we observed his star and it is rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem uh, with him. A lot of people think that, oh, there were three magi came. But you read it. It doesn't say how many uh, magi came, how many kings uh, came. Just, just came. The, uh, they came. Uh, three gifts. So they think that, oh, each person had a, a one gift. So. We don't know whether it's a five people, ten people, but we we just have this image so stuck. It's not from the Bible. So it's like you, you watch Ten Commandments and then your image is so stuck. You think that's the Bible, but we, we never know how many people, how many Magi came. But anyway, the important thing is, is that, is that Matthew sees it as king being born. And when the king came, when the insignificant person is born, nothing happens. But when the king uh, is born, there's a reaction. Like a lot, a lot of Korean dramas. You know, on a certain day, the star came out, and then this boy was born, and this uh, supposed to destined to be the king or whatever. So there is a, it's like a chemical reaction. You put certain chemical in the water and the water boils. In the same way that when the king was born, the whole world reacted violently. And greed for power produces fear. And fear produces violence, and violence produces death. That's what happens. Let me read it for you. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under according to the time that he had learned from the wise man. So, king came, king was born, and the world did not like him. So we'll have a discussion uh, now. Uh, so the discussion question is, David was humble and yet confident. How are humility and confidence related? Do you find David-like characters in Jesus? What are they? So these are the questions for you to discuss.
discussed together. James had a side uh, uh, effect, James Cho, last week. I mean, two weeks ago. So he had a medicine and a side effect. And then not only insomnia, but he had all these insights. <laughs> totally in the morning. <laughs> That's why he was talking so much <laughs> two, two weeks ago. <laughs> so, well, maybe you uh, hear some that. insight. Right? <laughs> he was uh, the, the, the thinking about this, uh, the, 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 the wilderness and John the Baptist. And then, <laughs> what, what, was, what were you thinking again? The first one? Oh, they did, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, have a good time. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we misunderstood the meaning of confidence and humble. Confidence means sort of arrogant. Uh, humble means kind of meek. But really, confidence and uh, humble goes hand in hand. It's like two sides of a coin. So without having a confidence, you cannot really be humble. And uh, if you are just hum, like, uh, you know, being humble means that you have confidence. But it's, then we had a discussion, what does conf like confidence in yourself or confidence in something else? And the one uh, person brought up is really confidence in God. So when only you have confidence in God, then you can be truly humble. And at the same time, you can be truly confident as well. I don't know what anything else you want to. Good point. Confidence in yourself and confidence in God, are they mutually exclusive? Are they different things? It can be different. Yeah. Yeah. But also it can be same. When you have confidence in God, then you have you learn to have confidence in yourself. You become very, I mean, while you are having confidence in God and then you have no confidence whatsoever in yourself, doesn't make sense? Doesn't make sense. So confidence in God goes along with confidence in yourself uh, a lot of times. You, that's a redemption. Before you didn't have confidence in yourself because of your sin, because of your shortcomings and darkness that you have. But you realize that God has forgiven you, God has uh, 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 cleansed you. Now you come clean with God. So you have confidence in yourself. So the, the, the faith in God uh, doesn't uh, mean that uh, it is nothing to do with you. You change. When you have faith in God, you change. When you have confidence in God, it's not just word. You change. You become a different person. Totally. So when you believe in God, your life comes alive. Because you come alive. You get that confidence. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. What else? I mean, these are important topic that we need to, because there's a lot of confusion here. And you clarified one confusion. A lot of uh, confusion here on this matter, as a Christian too, especially. Yeah. Anything else?
Jane's side effect is gone now. It's not really not nothing to do with uh, low self-esteem. That's not what humility is. Uh, humility is you're so confident about yourself that you don't need to think about yourself. That's what humility is. You're so confident about yourself, you don't need to think about yourself. It's through God, total transformation happened. So you don't need to think about yourself. So, you know, in, in other words, self-centeredness is overcome. That's what humility is. Humble person, that self-centeredness is completely overcome. That's why you can have confidence in God. Doesn't matter what you do, doesn't matter what you say, you're still very centered about yourself, centered around yourself. Then there's no humility there. Sometimes uh, this kind of lack of humility comes out in an arrogant way, sometimes. Sometimes in a very uh, self-degradating way. Other forms, uh, it comes out in different forms, but still that's uh, the absence of humility. But once humility is uh, settled, then you become very comfortable with yourself, and you can uh, have a lot of confidence in your life. Uh, and that is what Jesus uh, had. And he had a lot of confidence in himself. He didn't really focus on uh, him. He always asked God to. Uh, so that kind of... When you go to John, it looks like self-centeredness of Jesus because he's focused so much on himself. But we'll deal with it when you get there. But John is very different about uh, this, but uh, here, uh, the, the, the humility, we have total misunderstanding about humility. Uh, that's why we get confused in many ways. Any comment on that? So we move on? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, even though Jesus came as a king, uh, he, uh, Israel uh, rejected uh, the king. Uh, but strangely, outsiders received the king. Israel rejected the king, but outsiders welcomed the king. I think that's, that happens a lot, you know. Uh, the insiders may not be able to see uh, uh, really who Jesus was, but outsiders saw who Jesus was. 
One example is centurion. The centurion had his servant was sick. And then he came to Jesus and then Jesus said, okay, I'll uh, go to your house and then uh, 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 heal your uh, servant. And then he said, no, no, no. Uh, I cannot uh, have you under my roof because I know the Jews, Jewish people would not come into Gentile's house. So he, uh, out of consideration for Jesus, he, he didn't want, uh, he didn't want, uh, the, uh, out of consideration, uh, he, he didn't want uh, Jesus to come. And, but he said this, For I also am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and the slave doesn't. Just, Jesus was amazed by his faith. Somehow he completely gave authority to Jesus, and Jesus was amazed at his faith. And then this is what he said. When Jesus heard him, he was amazed and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and will eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So outsiders will come uh, and eat uh, with them while the heirs of the kingdom, the insiders, will be thrown into the outer darkness where they will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you according to your faith. And the servant was healed in that hour. So we realize that the kingdom of God is not necessarily uh, for the insiders. It goes out to the outsiders. True citizens of that kingdom is through faith, not through uh, some kind of blood. It's the same idea as a true Israelites. Who are the true Israelites? And we can see that in the story of crucifixion. Mark doesn't really explain how the centurions uh, uh, received uh, uh, knew Jesus as son of God. And also in Mark, it's only centurion who uh, confessed. But in Matthew, not only centurion, but also other soldiers. So it's a little bit different. So he's saying that all outsiders really receive. Let me read it for you. And the curtain, this is Mark, and the curtain of this temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Now when the centurion who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last. He said, truly, this man was God's son. That was what Mark said. Not much explanation. But let me read Matthew for you. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two uh, from top to bottom. God, up to this point, is the same as Mark. But Matthew asked this. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were op also open, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. 
now in the centurion, and those with him, so other soldiers, who were keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place. They were terrified and said, truly this man was God's son. So uh, Jesus' death was more uh, revealed uh, to the outsiders and they uh, received. They rejected the king and so the king called other people. It's like a banquet. They invited the uh, people to, to the banquet. No one came. So they went outside and they called anyone. Like that kind of image. Uh, they rejected the king, so king uh, called uh, other people. So when you look at Matthew, very strong statement against establishment. Very strong statement. Probably it's more so than Mark, because I think Matthew believed that uh, the destruction of the temple uh, in uh, 70 AD uh, was because they somehow crucified Jesus. That's how Matthew related. Mark was written before 70, before uh, the Jerusalem was uh, destroyed. Mark uh, wrote it. But Matthew wrote it after. Jerusalem was destroyed. So he was kind of relating the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple with what they did to uh, the Lord, uh, to Jesus. So he was very, uh, Matthew was very strong against uh, the establishment. So he uh, uses seven woes. Let me read just some of it, just to feel the uh, sentiment of it. He started with this. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. Therefore do whatever they teach you and follow it, but do not do as they do, for they do not practice what they teach. They tie up heavy, heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on the shoulders of others, but they themselves are unwilling to lift a finger to move them. Very strong. And then he starts woe. Seven woes, he says. Let me just read uh, one. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you lock people out of the kingdom of heaven, for you do not go in yourselves, and when others are going in, you stop them. Seven times he repeats uh, this woe. So he's very strongly against uh, the establishment. But compared to Mark, Matthew was very lenient to the disciples. Uh, Mark, on the way to Jerusalem, continuously they uh, misunderstood Jesus. And he asked, uh, uh, they asked Jesus to uh, ask them, uh, ask Jesus. Uh, for them to sit on the right hand and left hand, and then uh, they were debating who's greater. And then, I mean, these apostles. I mean, I asked you a question: uh, Are they uh, the uh, what was the word? Pro, pro and and uh, 
that kind of culture. The drama is more like antagonist. Oh yeah, uh, are they protagonists or antagonists? Uh, right? When you get older. Oh, so are they antagonists or pro protagonists? We are not sure. Disciples were so lame, so helpless, and so uh, out there on their own. Uh, they weren't with Jesus at all. That, that's, that's Mark's picture of disciples. But Matthew's picture of disciples were very positive. Uh, partly because he believed that we are the true Israelites, then who are the 12 uh, disciples? They're the 12 tribes, almost like. The true Israel and true uh, 12 the, the, the tribe. That kind of image uh, was in Matthew's uh, mind. So let me read it for you. Uh, you sense it, whether uh, the, the, that's there or not. Jesus said to them, the disciples I'm talking about, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man is seated on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. It's almost like image of new tribe, new 12 tribes. So that's what disciples were uh, doing. And God, uh, the Jesus gave them the authority. Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loose in heaven. Tremendous authority is given to the disciples. And also, uh, same thing with uh, uh, Peter. Peter uh, confessed in the same way in Matthew 2. Uh, he confessed that Jesus was the Lord and all that. He was rebuked and all that. But in between, there's a, uh, this uh, thing added for Matthew. Let me read it for you. Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, I mean, up to that, it's the same as Mark. And then uh, Matthew added this. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of haze will not prevail against it. I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in the, uh, heaven. You don't see that in Mark, but Matthew, very strong uh, affirmation to Peter and the disciples. And then he talks about discipleship, everything about discipleship in chapter 10. The whole, uh, if you want to read about uh, discipleship, you can read chapter 10. And another, another big theme in Matthew is Emmanuel. The, in Duke's birth story, there's no Emmanuel. But in Matthew's uh, birth story, uh, there is Emmanuel. Almost, it's like a bookend. In the beginning, uh, in the birth story, there's Emmanuel. And at the end, uh, last verse of Jesus uh, in Matthew was Emmanuel. Let me read it for you. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
And when you go to the last verse of Matthew, go therefore, therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always, like Emmanuel, to the end of the age. So it's almost like a two bookends, uh, Emmanuel's from the beginning uh, to the end. Okay, so uh, I will give you discussion uh, questions. Uh, let's have a discussion. There's, through Matthew, what kind of Jesus do we encounter? What implication does this kind of Jesus have for your life? So that is a question for you uh, for discussion. Sure we have something here. No, I have it at home. Yeah, we have this. We have a. I just want to get lead poisoning. That's as you no, read uh, Mark and Matthew, do you see the difference? Market difference. Uh, it's a very different book. Uh, so far, we have just read it as a gospel, but very different book. So, the, the, the Jesus in Matthew, what uh, really, what image uh, does that? give you? What image do you get? When you read uh, uh, Luke next week, you'll be, again, very, very different. You realize. Even the birth stories is very different. Matthew is all about Joseph. Luke is all about Mary. <laughs> very different. And uh, the focus is different, emphasis is different. So when you get to uh, Luke, then you see some kind of clear picture of oh, these three Gospels are very different and then you will get distinct, uh, distinct kind of image of Jesus from each Gospel. You will get that. Yeah. So uh, next week we are going to do Luke but we will uh, finish in one week because we skipped uh, one week last week so we will finish uh, one week and then John will do two weeks. Yeah. So tell us uh, what image do you, what kind of uh, Jesus uh, do you see in Matthew? <clears throat> teacher. Hmm? teacher. Yeah, uh, Matthew is a very, it's almost like a didache. A didache meaning uh, teaching manual. Uh, so some uh, sect, uh, Christian sect, they use uh, Matthew as their curriculum. And then Matthew, I didn't go, th uh, go into it, go, uh, go through it because uh, I, don't, I didn't want to confuse you. But when you read Matthew, there are five discourses. Uh, read uh, through it. So they, they uh, connect that with five books of Moses. And then there's five discourses of teaching. Uh, so, and also uh, the, the whole beatitude scene is the law being fulfilled. Moses' law is fulfilled in this way. So, uh, not an uh, iota of the law will be uh, neglected. Every law will be fulfilled. So that's a very strong image of uh, Matthew. So, and then uh, from uh, chapter five to chapter seven, he talks about beatitude and all that is a fulfillment 
of Moses' law. Uh, eye for an eye, I, I tell you. If somebody asks, uh, hits you on the right cheek, you give your left. If somebody asks uh, to go, go walk uh, five miles, you go 10 miles. So he, he the like law is fulfilled in this way. And then if your righteousness is not as good, uh, if, if not more than Pharisees and uh, scribes, uh, then what good is it? You know, you have, your righteousness has to be uh, better than uh, that. So it's a very much uh, yeah, uh, teaching, teacher, uh, and then very well organized. The material is very well organized uh, uh, for depending on topic. Good. What else? It was a typical Korean. You always want to give right answer rather than having a discussion, <laughs> exploring together. It's just very interesting. When I do that with the Canadian guys, oh, it will vary to all kinds of different kind of king, a different kind of kingdom. So it's a very peaceful and loving kingdom and a very forgiving. Mm -hmm. That's what originally God intended. Yeah, that's right. Somehow. Um, yeah. Yeah. The character of kingdom is very different from. So in Matthew, Matthew uses only twice kingdom of God. He uses all the uh, kingdom passage, he uses kingdom of heaven rather than kingdom of God. What he's doing is as opposed to kingdom of earth, I'm talking about kingdom. That's why he uses kingdom of heaven. In uh, Mark and uh, the, the, the Luke, they all talk about kingdom of God because that's not, that's not their agenda. But in uh, Matthew, he uses word kingdom of heaven. I didn't mention that, but kingdom of heaven rather than kingdom of God as opposed to kingdom of the earth. So, yeah. So, very different kingdom. Yeah, yeah. But same as king rules, king reigns, that Jesus rules, Jesus uh, reigns. Am I the king of my life? Or is Jesus the king of my life? That is something that we need to ask ourselves. What is my life like? Am I in control? Or is Jesus in control? When I really, really seriously and honestly ask myself, who is in control of my life? Me or Jesus? So that is something that you need to think about when you say that Jesus is the king. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then kingdom. Uh, what's the kingdom living is like? Yeah. Good point. Very different. Very different that's why the, uh, the kingdom of the uh, earth tried to kill Jesus, destroy Jesus. So almost like a two kingdoms are in clash. And what is that kingdom that Jesus brought to earth? A lot of implications. Yeah. <clears throat>
angels. Disciples uh, are, uh, I mean, Matthew's, uh, that doesn't mean that disciple, uh, the, the Jesus did not uh, uh, kind of, uh, what is it, reprimand uh, the disciples. Still, it comes out in Matthew too, that disciples are uh, still don't know what Jesus was talking about. They are still foolish and it comes out. But, uh, even though disciples were like that, still Jesus uh, uh, puts them in a special category and then uh, really builds them, uh, builds them up. But when it comes to Luke, 12 disciples almost gone. Uh, no more 12 disciples, all just followers, just disciples rather than apostles. So uh, Matthew emphasizes on 12 uh, disciples a lot. Uh, but when it comes to Luke, uh, you don't see uh, that kind of uh, distinction. Uh, so almost a blurry line between 12 apostles and other disciples. And also including a lot of women. In Luke. When it comes to uh, Luke, a lot of women disciples uh, that you see. And also the kingdom of the, you know, the politicians, all that. Even right from the beginning, uh, that Jesus was in clash with uh, King Herod. And King Herod uh, uh, tried to kill uh, all that. So uh, uh, living in this uh, world, uh, what kingdom are we establishing? What kingdom are we building? We have to really ask ourselves uh, uh, and also in everything. So I mean uh, about that, next week we'll, uh, it will be more clear in Luke. Luke is more to do with uh, uh, that. Uh, so we'll talk about it uh, a little bit more uh, next week yeah, when we study Luke. But please read a few times, please. <laughs> Otherwise, you, you, you won't mean anything to you. What, I, what I'm saying is it just doesn't mean anything. When you read it, the picture comes. If you read about seven times, the color will come very clearly. But you know, please read a few times, uh, at least twice. What else? How about this group? It's very quiet. <laughs> that, uh, that, that side effect is gone and <laughs> no more talk. The path is closed, but <laughs> Daniel had good insight. Okay, yeah, quiet. Jesus in Matthew, like he said, start off with the the fulfillment of the prophecies yeah. throughout. So, it, it emphasizes the New Jerusalem, New Israel, yeah. and then Jesus mentions it's peace for all, mm -hmm. all people, not just the Jewish people. That's right. Like we said uh, last time, a lot of non-Jewish people need to know it. Mm -hmm. and, and the non-Jewish people were the ones who just said he says mm -hmm. So that, that indication that but teaching gives me more confidence. I'm in the right religion. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. It's not just Jewish religion, yeah. but it is for me too. That's right. That gives me the confidence to mm -hmm. live as a, a son or a child. Yeah. Yeah. 
mean, what God started with, it was a small door. Uh, Jesus came and opened it completely. So available to everyone. And also this promise was not just Jewish promise. It's not just for Jewish people. But still, they seem to have more stronger tie with the Old Testament prophecies and promises. Uh, we don't seem to have that kind of strong ties with that. Still, ownership is there. You know, a lot of times, so that's very sad. It's our promise too. It's not really their promise. It is promise for us. And yet, we don't seem to claim it. Jewish people seem to have, oh, this is our book and our uh, promise, or what is given to us. They have a very strong confidence in that. And we Christians don't seem to have. We, even uh, when uh, Old Testament is our scripture too. It is our book. Uh, that, uh, when God uh, called Abraham, he did not want to bless only Abraham, but through Abraham, all nations. Not just Jewish nation, but all, all nations. So Jesus came and really clarified, and Paul clarified everything, and yet we still don't uh, seem to get it. Uh, we don't claim it. So all the promise in the Old Testament is for us, uh, new Israel, uh, the, the true Israel, Israel in a way, uh, uh, through faith. And then we should claim that. Uh, and, and then when you die, we don't know what's going to happen to our body and to us. But we have promise. If you believe in me and die, you will live. So that promise we hold on to. That promise will be fulfilled. You're going through a difficult time right now, but in the right time, Jesus' time, everything will work out for good. That promise. We are people of promise. People of covenant. People who have this wonderful promise. We don't seem to have that confidence for that. So Matthew gives that to all of us. You are the true Israelite. You are the uh, descendant of Abraham. You are the heir of God's promises and covenant and blessings. I hope that we have a little bit more ownership I mean, that's why Jewish people benefited so much through the scripture, uh, through their uh, religion. I hope that uh, our Christianity a uh, little bit stronger uh, than uh, just mediocre kind of uh, attitude towards our religion.
we're taught when we're younger, mm. like in kids' church. A mm. um, little bit more, not quite, but a little bit more, more than that. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, there's, there's danger in what we're doing because uh, in, if you just read Mark, you can feel very alienated mm. from, the, from Jesus. Mm. You can feel disconnected from what your perception of Jesus was mm. and, and how Jesus is detected in Mark. In Mark. Mm. Very different, mm -hmm. right? So if you just if you just left it at if we had just left it at that, there would have been a big uh, disconnect. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But so this is an interesting exercise that we're going through in reading all of the entire chapter, mm -hmm. but each of the gospels to understand yeah. the four different perspectives of, of Jesus mm -hmm. and, uh, mm -hmm. and and what you're what you're sharing with us. I think it's. Uh, providing really, really good content. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. it, it can be, it can be rife with uh, issues of credibility, mm -hmm. uh, especially the differences between Mark and Matthew. There's fundamental differences mm -hmm. between the accounts yeah. of Jesus. Yeah. In a court of law, the credibility would really be shaken mm -hmm. right? um, if, if that was like an eyewitness statement, mm -hmm. right? But, so anyways, kind of all these thoughts, but the, uh, the implication for me is that um, it challenges um, it challenges my my perception of who Jesus is, mm -hmm. and it's not always the yeah it's not it's it's not always the you know the, the depiction of Jesus holding on to that one sheep who's lost uh, and, and and forgetting about the ninety nine it's not that it's not necessarily that Jesus right you know that the the theme of servanthood and fulfillment and kingdom yeah those are things that we never really were taught in history yeah 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 that's right, right? but these are different uh, important themes that are coming across that I think have to have new meaning as uh, at, at, in our adult stage yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Very important, very important. Like, we have lived, a lot of Christians, including ourselves, we have lived our lives uh, with a, just a vague image of Jesus, rather than really the, 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 the statement of these uh, witnesses, uh, that now, uh, hopefully, we get a little bit clearer image, or different pictures of Jesus, more concrete, uh, pictures of Jesus rather than vague image of Jesus and why they put that image so why that image was so important to them and then we uh, studied each gospel uh, that we uh, recognize that uh, it's, it's like Mark's image of Jesus is like a roaring uh, roaring lion going around and strutting you know, the lion. That's why it's a, a nickname is lion. But uh, Matthew's Jesus is very much a human that you sit down and they teach uh, very chasange, uh, detail you teach and then uh, guide them. And then, so it's a, it's a, that's why it's a uh, human. The Matthew's uh, nickname is human. Now when, when we look at uh, Luke, it's an ox. Uh, it's a very different ox, just one by one go. Doesn't matter what happens, just broad. Uh, uh, 
계속 끝까지 towards uh, the cross. Very different image of Jesus that uh, we get. So uh, Matthew and Mark. So I hope that uh, you read the uh, gospel in that way. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, it's like listening to music. Uh, if you just have a playlist of uh, morning car, then all kinds of uh, the, the, the singers and then, it's good. But once in a while, you really want to know uh, that person's uh, music. Then you just get an album. And then you listen to that whole album. Uh, and then you really get into uh, that, uh, that, that person. Uh, Wayne Shorter just uh, passed away. Uh, Wayne Shorter was a very, very famous uh, saxophonist. And then uh, he just passed away a few days ago. Uh, and so I was just listening to uh, Wayne Shorter. Uh, and sometimes you want to do that. I mean, nice music, I like to uh, listen, but sometimes I really want to get into this person's musicality. What this person is trying to portray. Uh, listening to the music, I co uh, come up with an image of that person. So, uh, Jesus too. I mean, you can pick out all the famous passages from the four Gospels, and you just read uh, the, the, those things. Uh, for meditation. But instead of doing that, one book, just read through from beginning to the end. And just, just, just enjoy it. Uh, delve into it. And let it speak to you. And then uh, you just uh, enjoy reading. And then uh, uh, seeing, meeting uh, Jesus that comes across in that particular book. Then that's why we have four books. And then very blessed. We are very blessed because we can see very different, four different sides, north, south, and east, and west, all four corners we can read so, so that we can have a full picture, whole picture of Jesus. Yeah. When would you have the opportunity to read the gospel again? But Never opportunity Always just half hourly uh, or next time. When is next time? There's no next time. Right? So this opportunity you just get into it. In that way you become more serious about life in everything that you do, instead of just doing mediocre things in everything uh, that you do. Seriously, uh, tackle on. Especially Jesus. Especially Christianity. That we have to be serious about what we believe. The Muslim people, some Muslims, they are so serious about, they are sometimes too serious about, you know, uh, we, we need to be a little bit more serious about what we believe, right? Yeah. Last time we talked about uh, the, the aging, but today I'll talk, talk, talk about seriousness. <laughs> <laughs>
Anything else? Good. So next week uh, we're going to do uh, Luke reading again. Very different. Even genealogy is different. Geneal genealogy doesn't come out right in the beginning. In the middle of it, genealogy comes. And also genealogy itself is very different. Uh, Matthew, very organized. 14, 14, 14. Uh, but uh, the, the order is different. Uh, it starts from Jesus and it goes up. So, uh, and the birth story is very different. Uh, yeah. So, well, and our, our group was just wondering why it was um, put in that order Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, later, uh, people, uh, they, uh, they uh, kind of. Uh, try to put the order uh, and Matthew starts with genealogy so they thought that Matthew should be uh, the first and then uh, they put and it, very unfortunately they divided Luke and Acts same author uh, we'll study next week but same author but Luke wanted us to read at one sitting, both uh, Luke and uh, the, the Acts, because that's one book, the whole uh, book. But because the Jesus story and the gospel, they put John in between. That's why uh, Luke and uh, Acts were divided. And then Acts became so neglected. Nobody read for the, for the longest time. They just finished that, uh, the John. Uh, so it's uh, unfortunate that uh, people did not pay attention to uh, Acts. Even Acts, Acts is a little bit difficult, even TBS. Uh, we stopped in the middle of it. <laughs> That's the only book we stopped in the middle of it uh, because it was a little uh, too, too much for them. But uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, it's a very interesting how. Uh, they, uh, but later scholarship, they studied all, all that language and lingo and all that and realized that Mark was written first. Uh, that's what they discovered. Mark was written first, and from Mark, Matthew, and Luke, they borrow material. And Matthew has his own source called M. Luke had his own source, source that is called L. And Matthew and uh, Luke, they share the same source, it is called Q. So, uh, so the Q source, uh, so the different sources that they used, yeah. And John is totally separate. John is uh, totally, and, then, and that was written around 100. So much, much later, uh, most scholars uh, believe that John was uh, written much, much later. But when you look at John, it's very, very different. Very bold about Jesus. Uh, he even says, God, he's God. But all synoptic gospel, they never said Jesus was God. Just son of God. Uh, but when it comes to John, they both they say that Jesus is God.
Okay, so next week, then uh, we're reading Luke and Acts. Three or four times. <laughs> Both books. No, if you have time, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's the longest book. Yeah. Then, uh, Luke is the longest. Yeah. And then Luke and uh, Acts put together is the longest of all the uh, All come together, uh, uh, combined together. Yeah. Simon will give us a summary. <laughs>